in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's life. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bogleman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 183. Issue 28. We're back to this format now. <laughs> There's light at the end of the tunnel, so we're going back to, to the classic formula. <laughs> yeah. We got we to stick with the tried and true efforts, you know, the things that work, the things that work best. <laughs> uh, so, so this time around, we're, we're going to be doing Green Lantern Corps Annual Number 2. And then, of course, all the number 28s. Um, this episode's going to be a little bit weird because we have the annual thrown in with the regular books, but one of the books is also the Green Lantern 28 and Red Lantern's 28 flip book issue where those two basically connect, so it's a whole thing. Um, so what we're thinking about doing, uh, what we will be doing, I'll take annual number two right now, and then Mark will take the flip book, uh, and then I'll take... Uh, Green Lantern Core, and then you'll take New Guardians, right? Correct. Okay. All right, looking forward to see how this works. <laughs> you haven't been on a review episode where we've had to do it like this, right? I think back in the day as a guest, I might have been. I think when we were doing Blackest Night tie-ins, that was the closest thing to it. But no, since you and I have been doing it, no, we've, we've, been, <laughs> we've been so hopelessly behind that it's like, let's just do... Big blocks of one title to try to, which there's pros and cons to everything. Like, like maybe with some, we'll have to talk about it. I'm thinking maybe with Sinestro, we might almost be better off just like letting a few issues build up and maybe do three issues at a time with Sinestro. Sounds good to me. Um, and a quick addendum. I've been going through some allergy stuff lately. Basically any kind of tree pollen out there I'm allergic to. Um, and where I work, um, we basically have to wash the cars off every day because uh, of the ones we sell because uh, there's basically green pollen all over the cars and it's just finally now getting to me. Um, so if you hear what sounds like hard candy in my mouth, that's a cough drop to keep my throat from screaming out in agony every time I swallow. Uh, and since I've been since, and since I've been sick since the last episode we recorded, though I do sound I think a lot better than last week. I may very well have a cough drop in my mouth at some point too. Yeah. So, so uh, we're not being flippant. We're just trying to survive. Yeah, that's right. So uh, we're, we're trying to protect our assets, uh, our sexy, sexy voices. Uh, <laughs> so, so sniffles and uh, I can't believe I just said sniffles on air. Uh, sn- <laughs> There's a lot worse things you could have <laughs> said. True. Sniffles and cough drops abound. Um, but anyway, so Green Lantern Core Annual Number Two: Villains United with. Uh, uh, by uh, Jensen, uh, Van Jensen, Venditti, and then a few others uh, that I'll get into later, if if I remember. Because this, 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 this is a big <laughs> issue, and I don't have the title page right in front of me right this second, because uh, I read these digitally. So uh, we open up basically where we left off uh, when uh, the whole message from Hal Jordan went out uh, to all the core and to all the universe that the Green Lanterns are not to be trusted, and every time they use their rings, they're, you know, destroying the universe. So Hal is flying up with a bunch of other Lanterns out in space, basically telling Kilowog, all the stuff, bad stuff that happened is good, because now I'm pissed off. 
and I'm uh, in one hell of a bad move, and, and the universe just delivered me a shipload of punching bags, which is basically a ship full of all the villains that uh, just showed up. Um, the ones that escaped from the science cells. So Hal and the core go up against the, the villains, and they start fighting one another, and then we basically, as as various villains take center stage in the storyline, like for instance, Hal goes up against Evil Star, we get a little bit of background with, evil, with, with these various villains. So, forgive me if this review is a little sporadic, but it's going to have to be that way because of the way the story jumps uh, three different ways. Um, so as Hal goes up against Evil Star, we go back to 90 years ago uh, with Evil Star saying that he'll channel cosmic energy that gives their people life, focus it and draw it inside himself to make himself strong again. So he does that, and then his wife slash girlfriend slash life partner slash I don't know is like, you incredible, you're great, and then he starts drawing energy he doesn't know and sucks the life out of her. And she says you have to destroy it, but he's like, I, I can't. Uh, um, sorry, hope you understand, I don't want to die. And then we... Uh, Cut back in time to a different space sector eight hours ago, and John Stewart and the his band of merry men uh, and and women are going up against the Kund, and they're fighting one another. And the Kund use some of their their uh, relic based tech to drain the energy off uh, Vath and Izamot and um, the Snake Green Lantern all all of all I think. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, they go up. They they all go up against each other, but the the Kund drain all the rings, and then we cut back to a different space sector, uh, Durla, the planet Durla, twelve hours ago, and the Kund are meeting with the Durlins as um, Nolange uh, walks off a ship with the Kund, and everybody is talking, and they're you know big team up, and they walk into this temple of the quote unquote ancients. Um, the ancients look like, it's like a big pit, giant temple pit full of Durlin snot, I don't know, it, it's basically, what I think this is, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, uh, but later on we get the feeling that if you, if something bad happens, if, uh, if a Durlin shapeshifts too much, and that these are probably... Old old Durlins who shapeshifted too much and are now forced to live in this amalgamated mass that directs the whole Durlin race. I don't know. That's the that's the feeling I get. And they and it looks like something that was cut out of John Carpenter's The Thing yeah. too. Yeah, because they're all kind of like half a face and half an eye, and they're all merged together in some unnatural pattern. But yeah, yeah. so. Not good to be an old Durlin. Yeah, apparently. so basically, this big Durlin mass is talking to the leader of the Kun and Nolange and saying, you know, we're appreciating all that you're doing and, you know, th thank you, this whole thing. Um, cut back to 30 years ago, Bulfunga's backstory, how I guess kind of a Viking type of thing where somebody raided his village and killed a bunch of people. Now, your people were weak, you don't deserve to live, but you show defiance, so they take him capture, they, they cap, 
capture him and teach him their ways, and then he grows up, and eventually he kills the guy who captured him. Uh, then we cut forward, but back a little bit, ten hours before now. This is like an this is like an issue of zero hour. Um, <laughs> uh, the good old to days. the Durlins confronting the escaped convicts from the science cells, trying to form an alliance with them. Bofunga walks up, shakes one's hand, and then rips his arm off, and they all start fighting. And then uh, Chun Yul, four years ago, we get his backstory of something going on with him and his race, and they're trying to do modifications, uh, some sort of modifications uh, to take care of his people, and then they go up against Superman. And the thing that's the tox, the thing that was supposed to clear the toxic air on uh, in their area was supposed to save them, but he actually, by fighting Superman, destroyed it. That's the vibe I got. That one, that one was a little confusing, even though it was only a few panels. Mogo now, Hal is still fighting Evil Star, Kilowog's fighting Bofunga, the rest of the core is fighting fighting the big guy. Uh, and it's a whole, the whole big fight. They're going up, and Hal pulls another "Hey Mogo, save our asses" trick, and has Mogo pull down all the ships onto his surface, which he does. Hal breaks into the ship, and you know, comes upon a huddled mass of half-naked lanterns, and in some case, fully naked lanterns of John and Isamot and Vath and Fatality and all of them. Cut back to another space sector 10 hours ago, and we see Bofunga going up against one of the Durlins who's transformed trans, uh, himself into, and this is interesting, a Malthusian waste wraith. Um, they're fighting. Uh, Bofunga wins that one and rips him apart. One of the Durlins is like, hey, I got a self-destruct button here. Uh, we all do in every ship. And then one of the, uh, one of the escaped convicts grabs the grabs the self-destruct button and, you know, one of the other convicts goes crazy on him and, and rips him apart. Um, the Durlin, that is. And uh, they start, you know, Evil Star and, and Bulfunga and Kanjar Rowe start talking about what they need to do. And they say they need to go find the nearest sector house. We cut back to eight years ago in Kanjar Rowe's backstory about he how he force planets to surrender and then some of the people who forced to surrender show up to get their revenge on him and rather than kill him they sell him into uh, forced labor and enslavement um and then a different sector aboard the coon ship when john and his merry men have been captured yeah, that's what i'm going to refer to this to from now on <laughs> um they've been captured they're in front of the coon and then uh, someone's like hey the convicts are showing up. They're supposed to be part of the Durlin plan. The Kun don't know that they revolted against the Durlins. So they show up. They kill all the Kun on the ship and then team up with John and everything. They get on the ship and they leave. And then one of them's like, hey, I remember you. Um, and then we cut back to Zuri's storyline, which is six years ago. She's literally just a driver. Uh, she had no idea what they were doing, but she was sentenced to the science cell anyways. Now, Mogo now, Hal and John are arguing about the benefits and risks of having the convicts on their side. 
Hal eventually relents and agrees, and then he says, well, all the convicts have to be partnered up with one another, um, with, with another lantern. They tell, they talk to each, uh, Kilwag and Hal and, um, and John talk to each other, and we're like, we're gonna need, uh, we're going to need Von Daggle, which is the, the head of the corpse, and by corpse, we mean corpse like the way the, you know, a body is spelled. Um, basically the, from, God, how long ago was that story now? Uh, it was a long time. A few years. Basically, the super secret ops of the, the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, the black ops yeah. of the Corps. He's a Durlin. We're going to need him. Uh, they're speaking with Hunger Dog. Hunter Dog. Hunter, Hunger Dog 20 years ago. They're on an ice planet. Use the hunger. Find some game. Bring it back. If you fail, we all starve. So he chases down this snow deer camel thing. Kills it, brings it back, and then we go Durla 11 hours before now. The Durla ancients are aware of Von Daggle. We need to find him. He knows too much. Uh, the, 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 he's, he's already against the Green Lantern Corps because the Green Lantern Corps is against him. They abandoned him, mistreated him, and left him to rot. Uh... And uh, the, the hunt for Von Daggle begins in Green Lantern Corps number 28, and that's the end of that. So, combined uh, allergy suffering and the fact that this thing hops a bu- over a bunch of different timelines, um, that's the best I could do. <laughs> uh, you, you did fine, Chad. <laughs> thank you. Uh, what did you think of the issue? As you pointed out more than once, the the narrative structure of the issue is quite interesting to say the least, and probably not the best choice. I think overall, uh, there was a way. I mean, it would be bad enough if you were just skipping and jumping between all these different scenes, but it's not like. But it's like every single time you skip and jump, it's like you're going to a different scene that's like in a different time frame. It's like oh, you're here, but you're like ten hours ago, eight hours ago, twelve hours ago, eight years ago. Uh, but despite all that, I thought the I thought the issue was pretty good for the most part. I like the I like the whole enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of concept of so that the way they were going to team up together and they were going to partner up with the the core or the science cell escapees. I like that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The, yeah, the narrative structure could have been a little could have been a little better. I thought. Uh, I guess that based on what they wanted to do, you know, they kind of were kind of like bottled in, I guess, because they wanted to give people a refresher course and, and or for some people, obviously, a brand new um, introduce them for the first time to these characters. So I guess, you know, based on what they wanted to do, I guess it, it's kind of given credit for trying something different. I just I think it could have potentially been a bigger turnoff than it was. But I thought the storyline was good. Uh, poor Noel Ange does not look anywhere like the Noel Ange we saw in Green Lantern, though. That's true. She's, yeah, it's, that's complete. When I was rereading this the other day, it's like I completely forgot Noel Ange was in this issue, and I guess that's probably why, because she looks nothing like the Noel Ange we saw. I, th- I thought... No, I, th- I think overall it was good, and I have to be honest, despite the narrative structure, I up to this point, anyway, this was the best issue, even though it's an annual. 
to me, this is like the, the most interesting issue of core that I've read so far, I think probably from the, of the new creative teams or since they took over. I mean, I think it was okay. I, I liked the little backstory with all the villains, but I don't know if it helped anything to have it, have it thrown into a story that already skips, it skips around on the timeline. You know, now I understand. But it was it was all right. Um, uh, let's see. I don't know if it needed to skip around though. I mean, I, is there any reason we couldn't have had John's stuff? Uh, John's stuff, and then skip skip to the the convict stuff, and then go to the house stuff. Like, does it does it have to be in this order? Does it make it more compelling to be in the order it is right now? Or I don't know if it makes it more compelling, especially because, in all honesty, most of that, most of the Hal stuff really isn't that. It kind of like bookends the issue in a way, but there's not much. Most of the meat has nothing to do with what's going on with Hal. Mm. I mean, towards until the, maybe towards the end it does, but most of it really has to do with the, with the escapees and what's and what's going on with with uh, John and his. And his little band is of merry men and women. That that's the majority of what this issue is about, which would make sense because it is it is Green Lantern core, and that is John's book. So it's I guess in a way we were lucky just to get kind of like Hal thrown in there. True. <laughs> but I I I you could be right. I think they could have they could have done it. They could have done it in a different way, but I I think the. I can only assume the way they structured it was because you just want to assume that when Hal and Kilowog and everybody else they started attacking the criminals is that yeah they're bad guys and that's what exactly what Hal should, and the core should be doing and then of course as they give you the fl- flashbacks of everything that's been going on since the last time we saw them all in core which is when the Durlins for- made that offer to the to uh all the escapees to join with them I was like you're going to join join with us and kill the core that in this issue, we find out clearly that, you know, they, they told them what to do. <laughs> they they told them or showed them what to do with it, that offer, and they decided that, you know, we're at least we're better off, better off, but standing with the core since we know who they are, we know what their rules are, we know basically, we we know how they the how they play, and we know who the players are as opposed to with the with the Darlings, you just never know literally who is who and and what they're going to do at any given moment, so. They made a they made a decision, or or the or they just they were thinking about making the decision, and kind of like uh, Bullfunga kind of like for, forced the hand, but literally by ripping it off. But <laughs> but I I mean yeah I think I think we both think there's structural there's narration or narrative structure issues with the issue, but I I guess maybe I guess at this point when I first read this and even when I reread it that my expectations for, for core right now are not particularly high so maybe that's why this issue was kind of a like a revel not a revelation but it certainly was a pleasant surprise and even even leading into the hunt for van daggle you know with, with that being the next issue it's like I, at the time when i first read this it's like well i didn't have a lot of faith i was going to enjoy that issue more than i enjoyed the annual I, the annual was a little different and it was, plus, I also like the the cover, the fact that it's basically like the like a villain's homage to like Rebirth Six, mm-hmm. if it's Which of course, at one time, you know, kind of hint hinted when you first saw the cover that they were all going to get Green Lantern rings, of course, which would have been weird. But 
I liked it. I would, but I do, I do see that there are issues with it. But based on a lot of the issues that we've uh, covered so far, I think it's certainly, I certainly would rank it as one of the higher or the better issues of Green Lantern Corps. I think that's true. I mean, and other than the Coon and the and Nolange and the Durlins coming together, we really still don't get much of what's what their plan is. You know what I mean? They're, yeah, it's they're, true. They're, while there's a lot happening in the story, there really still is no forward progression of the actual plot of what's going on with the Durlins and the Kun, like what they're what they're going to do, what their plan is, everything. Like, yeah, the you know they attempt, they want to get the convicts on their side because they know their weaknesses, you know that that whole thing. But it, there, there's it's there's still a lot of I don't know vagueness surrounding all of this. And I don't know. It was a better, definitely a better issue, I think. I do too. I think it. That's that's why even when I think I think and I did it on air, I think when we recorded a couple of times, hinted that I thought you would like this issue more than some of the other stuff that we've done or we've come across so far. But this, yeah, this issue to me, this issue was a very very pleasant surprise. Uh. And again, maybe because the bar has just been lowered a lot lately as far as, you know, Durlin, Coon, Durlin, Coon, and it just keeps going on and on. But I think I think it did kind of raise it kind of raised the bar a little. And I thought it kind of it, it added it added some new stuff to it, to the to the storyline and made it more interesting going forward, since you knew that from this point on, you know, anyway, that it's going to be not just core members, but the core members and some of these criminals are going to team up. So you're going to, so that's going to be a little bit more of an interesting dynamic. So, so that might make, hopefully it'll make some of the next few issues a little more palatable, even though, you know, this, this same essential storyline just is kind of like going on and on and on, but that's what I'm hoping for anyway. Yeah. Um, Uh, there was anything to this other than a name drop, but what did you think of when he said uh, that thing about the Malthusian waste wraith or whatever? Now those, I, yeah, that, I noticed that too. That was just the name, like you said, just the name alone was kind of was kind of interesting. Uh, we'll have to see if that has any more any more ties or any, it comes back to. Uh, They'll come back to it at some point in, in the near future or not. Yeah, because I wonder, like, is, is Malta still around? You know, I mean, that's is it in the New 52, is that still the planet the Owens grew up on? Um, I think it, I think that part is, yeah. I don't think that's been changed. Okay. Hmm. But it is, you know, but it's really, I mean, these are all questions that they raise, so it's like, so... It certainly would be uh, – we'll have to see where it goes, if it goes anywhere. It may go somewhere at some point. But. And one last thing um, would be the, the, the mention of the corpse at the end of the issue. That was pretty cool. Yes, and they kind of hinted at that a while ago. I mean uh, at least a decent – relatively recently, but still. We kind of knew the, that they were going to be – the corpse in some way, shape, or form is going to be coming back. Uh, and again, it's been a long time. Wasn't that like early on in the Greenland in the Green Lantern Corps? Um, I thought that was like very early on in the in the. It was definitely after recharge. 
Yeah, and I thought it was like for some reason I thought it was like within the first like ten issues after recharge. I could be wrong. That sounds about right. So that's a long time. That's a long time ago now. A long time ago. But but that was but that's cool. But that's that's something at least you give them you give them again you give them credit for because between between them bringing the corpse or referring to the corpse back bringing that onto the stage even if it's going to be you know short term or just one member that they have that and they all and you also suppose you know soon we're gonna if, if they're kind of the information they've told us is correct we're gonna see you know Sodom Yat back which we haven't seen since forever and he was left talk about a storyline that was left hanging uh, so at least you give them you certainly give them credit for bringing back and referencing characters and storylines that the previous <laughs> regimes seemingly completely forgot about and put on ice. That's true. So. All right. Well, um, do you have anything else to say about this issue? No, I think we covered it pretty well. And like I said, I would, this would be a, I would definitely would give this one a thumbs up. And as people who have listened to our reviews of certainly Green Lantern Corps, that there are very few issues, if any, that I would give a strong thumbs up to, up to this point. And this and I and and this one, I this is actually an issue I true I really enjoyed, and I don't and I can't really say that I have really enjoyed that many issues of Core lately. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Uh, I give it a thumbs up too. Uh, the only way in which I'd give it a thumbs down is because of the fact that it's an annual, and I firmly believe annuals should be one shots and not part of an, another storyline basically like an extra issue to tell your story i think they should just be their own thing and i firmly believe that but you know since i'm obviously not going to be getting that anytime soon um i have to judge it on what it is and you know it's pretty good that is true and at least again they're they're being consistent from the point of view that as we know the annuals certainly the new 52 annuals in related to Green Lantern have been pretty much all tied into major story major storylines. Usually they've been, you know, either the end or the the end of a storyline or the beginning of a storyline. This one's kind of like just in the just in the right. middle. But still, I mean, it's still a it's an extension of another storyline, which is what their pattern lately has been in Green Lantern annuals. So All right. Well, uh flip book time. Flipbook time. So this will be Green Lantern 28, and then we will do Red Lantern 28, uh, which kicks off the Red Daughter of Krypton storyline as far as the Green Lantern books are concerned. And the two-part story, the, the two parts in the flipbook are Red Alert, part one and part two. So Robert Venditti, Billy Tan, and Rob Hunter is the inker. So we begin in Space Sector th- 3014. Where you have Barir and his partner, and they're fl- they are in patrolling their sector, and they're they're discussing the fact that the communications are down and the core is under assault, and then that's and just when they think things are kind of bad there to begin with, then they see a big a a red light approaching them, and we see Red Lantern Supergirl screaming in mindless rage, literally coming towards them, and they point out the fact that they they, they really don't have time to deal with this, but yet they have no choice because of the fact that they can't let a, you know, a raging red go through their own, through their sector and take, take it out on innocent people. They try to, 
they do the big green hand of stopping the name of love and say, Halt, you're under arrest for unauthorized use of the emotional spectrum. And of course, Power Girl, Power Girl, Supergirl doesn't know anything to begin with about that, even if she was, <laughs> wasn't a mindless rage monster. But instead, she attacks Barir, and Barir cries out for his sector partner, Locke, to, to get her off. They are they continue to fight. You know, Barir is in in trouble. Then while uh, Locke is distracting Supergirl, she uses her heat vision to attack. And if, after she does that, she kind of passes out. And Barir is going, "Oh, we must have exhausted her." And it's like, "Wow, no." It's like, no wonder, have you ever seen a being channel the emotional spectrum through their eyes? Not, of course, understanding the, about the Kryptonian powers. And Locke agrees, I've never heard of that. Let's just get her back to HQ before before it, as they refer to her, before it comes around. And they kind of make a reference to the Red Lan- things that happened previously, but Red Lanterns and their powers. Barir makes a comment about how he kind of feels sorry or feels pity for Supergirl. And then Locke points out, well, the spit from one of those things nearly corroded Vaz's face. Him, I feel bad for. Now we skip to Mogo, where this picks up basically at the end of the Green Lantern Corps annual, where they, again, are horribly drawn central power battery, where Hal is essentially swearing in as best he can the escapees from the science cells using a kind of like a butchered, cannibalized version of the armed service oath to try to get them in. It's like, uh, do you suddenly swear to defend the constitution of the universe and um, yada, 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 leading to some funny comments, you know, by the criminals, like, is this part of my sentencing and ridiculous? There's a universal criminal code. So the, the, the little ban, the little banter there is cute. John gets, you know, John points out, what do you, you know, you're really using the U S armed services oath. And he goes like, it's a, it's, it's the best they could do, basically. They, they, they make it clear that all the, the new criminals or the, you know, the deputies are going to be partnered up with Lanterns. And they pretty much go off to find their partner and to begin their assignments. You have a little conversation between, between uh, Graf and Voth. Voth continues to push the issue about how Graf doesn't want to use his power ring to use the emotional spectrum. And with everything going on with Durlins these days, you know, Durlins can use, they can basically make a, make a copy to look like a power ring, but they can't really use it. So maybe how are we supposed to know if you're not, you know, if you never use your ring, how are we supposed to know that basically you're you? So Fath pretty much puts his fist up to Graf. Graf basically slaps it down with a green construct hand. <laughs> and Vath points out, come on, how not, See how easy that was? And Vath just goes, kind of like walks off like, ah, curse you, Vath. And he gets just kind of like pissed at himself for being suckered into basically falling into his trap. Now we see uh, to the, in the skies above Mogo, I almost said Oa, that you see Barir and Va and Locke basically falling back down to the surface. The other lanterns scramble, thinking that uh, not really know what's going on entirely sure what's going on. I'm probably thinking it has something to do with the Dorlins. And that's when we real that's when we see Supergirl has escaped from her from her little transported construct cell that they had made. And she's pretty much still going batshit crazy on them. Uh, we find out 
you know, they, they kind of explain to Hal what's going on. Who is this? Or how is this more than anything? That uh, Hal does a ring scan on her to try to figure out basically what she is because she looks human. And he finds out that she's Kryptonian. And Hal, of course, in a really, that's a horrible panel too, the way Hal looks in that panel. We find out that Hal is uh, about Supergirl and Hal is confused since, as far as he knows, the only Kryptonian alive is Superman. Um, he points out that a Kryptonian Red Lantern is pro- pretty much the deadliest threat of all because of her natural abilities, especially with the, the, the uh, a- aided by the power of the Red Ring. So they kind of put her, they kind of, you know, put her on ice temp- temporarily, but Hal's plan is that he needs to cure her. And of course, in order to cure her, we need the blue light of hope, which leads nicely into a nice little segue where, the still depressed but seemingly not as depressed Saint Walker is enjoying the beauty of Mogo, uh, petting petting the little birds there. How kind of interrupts the conversation between Saint Walker and Mogo. We have a little a little uh, entrance, a couple of little cute little comments. How making because you see Mogo's ring basically on this little teeny twig of a branch. And he goes, then he points out, it's like, this is where you keep your ring. I kind of figured it'd be at your core or in your core. And then he goes, uh, well, but then how would the tree monks play with it? Core leader Jordan. <laughs> I was like, okay. And just the idea that, you know, when Cal wanted to talk to St. Walker alone and Mogo kind of points out, well, it's not like I can really go anywhere, but if it's some, but if sometimes it seems I'm distracted, it's because I, it's because I can, I can monitor the, the inhabitants of, you know, the, activities of the inhabitants of my planet no more than you can monitor like the the movements or what bacteria is doing on your skin which kind of in a way gives you kind of an explanation for how how the Durlins and other things are able to infiltrate Mogo because he it's not like he's all-knowing and all-powerful when it comes to that Hal and St. Walker talk uh Hal continues to he explains exactly the situation at hand first about how there's a red lantern Uh, She's a Kryptonian. You have to reverse the process before she kills someone. St. Walker actually, for the first time, kind of seeming since uh, lights out, makes the point of, I think, which I think is important. uh, We'll find out soon enough that he would actually like to help Hal. But he, as he, as he points out or says that, you know, he and his ring are not exactly on speaking terms at the moment. And again, Hal tries to give him a little pep talk about, about, you know, they, they're the good guys, and I understand how you feel. It's not it wasn't easy finding out that we're so-called agents of decay, but I still think the universe needs guys like us, you and I, you know, in that direct conversation, him and St. Walker. And St. Walker understands why Hal would think that way because of the will that he wouldn't give up. But he just looks at his ring, the blue ring that still hovers around him, and all he sees is that the harm it can do. And they, continue, they end their discussion... St. Walker igno- uh, admits that he ad- and acknowledges he admires Hal's resolve. Uh, and uh, and he makes the point of, if hope is to be found again, Lantern Jordan, I must I must be the one who finds it. Until, th- until then, my road will be traveled alone. We cut back to Supergirl. She has her, she has, she's kind of muzzled. Still in a, in a 
green construct cage. Hal takes off with with a few lanterns, including Goran's son. And their plan is to go find Guy because they they figure at the very least Guy could help her become a at least get at least at least not be mindless, if you will. So we arrive on his. So we switch back to Gia's Malt. We see the Red Lantern power battery again, not particularly drawn well either. We see their we see their flagship. We see the, their newly formed statues that we that were created in Red in Red Lantern. The the issue uh, the recent issues of Red Lanterns. The uh, the Green Lanterns go to check out the ship. They're kind of surprised that their ship is just sitting in the open, but there was a proximity alert set to go off. And, of course, they activate it. They get blasted. Guy kind of points out that, uh, you know, you're lucky that, that that's all that happened to you, considering a warning, considering, you know, you shouldn't even be on your malt. And it goes, did you, or did you forget Sector 2814 is red turf now? And that's when... Uh, Mr. Goran's son over there points out, like, uh, Hal, did you tell them they could have a sector or your sector? And that ends part one as Guy, Zilius, and uh, Skellix are poised for seemingly battle against Hal and his lanterns. So you just want to do the second part of this before we delve into it? Um, or do you want to do, or do you want to, do you want to, I guess we could dissect this part. I don't first. know if there's much to talk about on this one. Uh, all the action seems to happen in in the part two. Uh, okay. But, you know, since there's not much to talk about, um, other than the issues with Hal's face and how he looks kind of like a little boy in, in some of these, or at least his hair, I mean, is it just me? Is this, is this a weird complaint? His hair looks weird? It, he looks He looks weird. Period in most in almost all this issue, I think. I'm trying to flip through it now and look at it, see if I can find every. Pa- I'm trying to find if there's one panel that he doesn't really look weird in. Um, maybe when he and John are talking about the oath, that first panel, maybe he looks a little more like a little more Hal like. I think I think he, part of the issue is that he's drawn really stiff. I think he's drawn really really stiff, which is kind of weird because a lot of the other characters in this book are drawn pretty well. I think he draws a good Saint Walker. I don't mind. I, mean, I think Supergirl's drawn fairly well. I think his guy is his guy is pretty good. Why? What did I just? I don't know. It just looks weird. I mean, all the aliens and everything look cool. Goran's son, as always, looks awesome. Uh, Saint Walker looks pretty cool. You know, the little bits that you mentioned with Mogo and Saint Walker, and how those scenes. The uh, you've already mentioned the. The more important parts of that. Um, yeah, I don't know that there's a lot to say about this issue. Um, just basically, Supergirls are red, and they need to figure out what's going on. That's basically all that's happening. That's true. And I do, and and I thought the parts, the parts with Saint Walker, I thought were kind of not just being a Saint Walker guy, but I thought at least they're they're kind of at least I think opening the door. I think for well, we know, we, we kind of knew it was going to happen anyway, but I think they're kind of opening the door that St. Walker might be – that St. Walker is a little more open now, I think, to regaining you know, his role and, and being more 
on board with what he what his belief and what his mission always was to begin with. He's still not. He still needs basically. He needs a epiphany, something to push him over to get back on board. I think, but at least now he's for the first time he acknowledges the fact that he would like to be able to help them. That it's not like. The thought, the mere thought of it, is you know repulsive to him that he can't imagine ever using a ring again because of what it does. He just needs to get over the fact that he, that every time he uses the ring, he's he just sees the the harm that it can cause and, and the decay that it's causing the universe. So something obviously just needs to happen to make him believe fully again that what he's doing that is certainly for the greater good and more good and more good than bad. And I think that's probably what we're building towards, but this, this is a little bit more of a closer to the St. Walker that we know in the sense that he's not, he at least raises the specter that he's not against wielding the blue light of hope again. He just, it just has to happen naturally. He just needs, that's a journey he's going to have to take for himself. If it's, if it's meant to happen, it's, it's going to happen, but, so it's not it's not even that he's turning a deaf ear to to Hal as far as the concept. It's just the fact that, you know, he needs that's not that's a uh, a ship that hasn't isn't ready to sail. Yeah. yet. But at least they're setting the stage for that ship sailing. And actually, in the core annual, I think there were a couple of things referring to that to, to hope, too. I think there was that line about right when they're before the rings ran out about the idea that uh you have no hope. And John said, we may not have hope, you know, we might not have hope, but we have plenty of will. So again, again, that's a kind of a referring to the lack of blue lanterns in the universe. Yeah. I like, I like the fact that this kind of gives how the moment with Walker, he didn't have before that seemed kind of like quit feeling sorry for yourself and get off your ass kind of a thing. Yes. I, he's a little kinder here, a little more like they're, they have history and they're friends. Uh, not everything I expect uh, Hal and, and St. Walker to have, but it, it's better than nothing. You know what I mean? Right. And he, he, and he is kind of building or playing off the point or the concept that that basically the two sides of the same coin. That if there's going to be – I'm trying to actually find – I think there was a – there was some – I think it was in this book. There was a oh that Hal says to Saint Walker that uh then we'll burn away the darkness until no shadows remain. If the universe endures, it'll be because of what hope and will do together, not in spite of it. So Hal's making a making a concerted effort, whether he one hundred percent believes this, or this is you know kind of like rah 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 leadership BS. Even though you like to think Hal, at least at this certainly at this point, believes it that the blue and the green should be working together. That for the better of the universe, that if the universe is going to be a better place and it's going to be a safer place, that they need both greens and blues, and they need them to be working together. Not a, right. So that was kind of a certainly that was something you'd never see from the from the guardians, other than Ganthet, of course. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of a that was kind of a nice touch. I thought too. I did like that scene a lot. So. That's really all I have about that one. I mean, like I said, there's not a lot that happens in this. This is just introducing the concept that uh, that Supergirl's red now, and we the the Green Lantern Corps is aware of it, and they need to do something about it. 
that's really all that happens. Uh, not to say that it's a bad issue or anything. It's just that, that it's a very quick, quick yeah, quick, quick read. read, slightly uneventful in a way. You know, just kind of set up. So, and I think part to be fair, I think part of this again, the structure of this flip book was more or less to more, but it's to try to get more of a boost. I think to Red Lanterns and to Green. So that's why I think the meat, you know, the meat of the issue probably happens in the second part. Yeah. So. So do part yep. two. All right. So Red Lantern twenty eight, which is Red Alert part two, which is by Charles Sewell and Alessandro Vitti, and the cover of since this their homage must be homage month because twenty eight is basically an homage to cover to the Rage of the Red Lanterns cover, except this guy coming out of the the Blood Lake basically instead of Atrocitus. So we pick up where we left left the Red Lanterns, which is actually in Paris, of all places, where you have the Shadow Thief who has captured Skalix and and Zox, right? That uh, guy shows up with a still horribly drawn ice. And basically, guy, guy kind of gets the filler about what's going on. Shadow Thief kind of points out that, you know, oh, uh, with her xenophobic view of aliens is like what's going on it's like uh they're not from earth you they're monsters and he guy kind of points out hey ladies some of my best friends are aliens Skalix and zox and they're not you know they're not from they may not be from here but you know but they are in monsters at least most of the time so guy you know guy's still trying to do to to kind of like impress ice by not uh fighting or using or just jumping into things, and of course he gets like Shadow Thief gives him a shot across the face and and draws blood. Guy is doing his best. He almost lashes out them, but he doesn't quite quite do it. And then the then uh, Shadow Thief gives him another wound to the to the midsection. He goes, guy that is goes to free uh, Scalix. He kind of it's kind of confused in a way by why Scalix is still kind of like why he can't get out of it. He goes, why you can't cut through this? And he goes, no, it's shadow. The light melts away. He goes, okay, time to get a time to get a little creative. Now we skip back to sector 459, the planet grow, or groy. And we pick up where we left off where Blees and Brancor had stumbled upon in search, in search of the ring from, uh, Ratchet, they've stumbled upon Atrocitus still alive with Dexter. Rancor has got a little energy shield up trying to stop the attack from Dexter, which is which is one of my favorite scenes in the book, which is Dexter making it attacking with a tiger. Which is which is pretty cool. I'll come back to that later. Um Atrocitus uh Bleeds appeals to Atrocitus to stop. He goes, You want me to stop? It's like you want me to end this before you and Rancor are both horribly killed. It's like it's kind of funny because you had no, you felt no urgency to step in and do the same when Guy Gardner, you know, beat me to death not that long ago. And he goes, the only one who showed me any loyalty at all was Dexter, and now he gets the reward he deserves. Um, Rancor is, is convincing Blaze that she should just basically get out of there. Is that he's going to do everything he can to to buy them time or buy her time. She, she, she 
lets loose with an energy construct, which which is unfortunately for them absorbed by the the kind of the really freaky looking insect red lantern that we saw at the end of the last issue that the, her, whose name is Klarn and apparently one of her light interesting little powers is that she has the ability to absorb many types of energy and then she can send it right back so so we see her spitting spitting energy back and it looks like the red lantern vomit at Blaze and Rancor we cut back to Guy Guy's trying to tell Skalax just 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 trust me. We're gonna we're gonna get out of this. It's like we we can't you know we can't hit the shadows directly, but if we but if we make it bright enough, bye bye shadows. Kind of an interesting way to get out of this. But uh, shadow thief goes on. You you think mere light can stop me? I'm the shadow thief. And it's like yeah yeah yeah. And it's like Skalix looking for direction. What are we gonna do? Well, first let's get Zox, and then we'll take it from there. We see Guy, Skalix, and Zox. They're shooting energy blasts in and creating a sphere that contains the Shadow Thief. Guy kind of asks Tora for help. And he goes, oh, Gardner, you silly man. And then she freezes the Shadow Thief. Skalix then deactivates her suit. She's no longer a danger. So he says. <laughs> Zox goes down about the... About the fact that now, that, thanks to being trapped in that little sh- that little shadow net of hers, that his head is no longer round, which is kind of funny as hell. Then we have uh, Ice and Guy having a little talk. You see the be- you see the remnant, uh, the beginnings of the conversation. Then you see Guy looking kind of distraught in space, flying away from Skalix and Zox, who try to keep up. And then we flash back to the to the end of the conversation that they had. When you see Nora, excuse me, Tora pretty much tells him that, you know, this is just, you know, the time that, you know, she isn't saying never, but this is just not the time for them to be together. Even though Guy was trying to make his case that, well, you know, I kind of need something right now. I need something to hold out for a hope, well, no pun intended, to hope for, you know, and he needs a reason to keep it together. He wanted it to be her. And she kind of just says, well, you know, I'm not saying never, but it just can't be now. Now we we kind of get to tie into the first part of the storyline. The uh, the Red Lanterns are alerted to the Green Lanterns being close to their power battery. Guys, much like what Hal said in the core issue, how he was happy about you know what was going on with with the criminals because of the fact that he was pissed off and he wanted to take it out on somebody. Guy kind of makes a similar point about this is just what I needed right now because he because he's frustrated he wouldn't mind taking it out on somebody. Guy points out, it's like, you know, I didn't save your ass from Relic you know, to get to get a crappy sector that this is our sector now because Hal makes a point of saying, I was going to give you sector 2828. And he goes, I didn't save your ass for sector 2828. You gave us our own sector, and that's what you agreed to. And that's what you agreed to. Yes, Malton 2814. So our sector is our sector. And he goes, after everything you made, you made you made me give up and everything you've done and everything you've kind of welched on. It's like, you're trying to take this away from me too. It's like, that ain't going to happen. And that's when guy realizes that there's a, another red lantern encased. It's like, he has no clue what's going on or where she's from. And guy, guy goes to check her out and he goes, you bet how to kind of gives him the advice. You got to better pay more attention to what's going on in your sector and all this stuff or your business because we scanned her and she's Kryptonian. Guy goes, you know, this doesn't make any sense. 
you know, there's only one, you know, there's only one person as far as we know that, you know, only one, there's only one guy who's left and he wouldn't lie about that. And he goes, he doesn't lie, but based, based on everything he's seen, she's, uh, she's a real deal. And he goes, guy goes to Skellix and Zox, you know, to get over there. Zox's face is still, still (laughs) not round again. There's a little interesting conversation between these, the rectangular, (laughs) are they square Green Lantern or a rectangular Green Lantern who's called Box? How cute. Zox and Box. And they kind of have that little, little teeny exchange there about how I ain't got time for squares. And of course, Box replies in a little, in a graphic of another square. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Cute. They kind of, they kind of, they realize that, or at this point, they they kind of feel guy in about the fact that, you know, this this isn't Ratchet's ring, that there's, she probably just found one of the other rings, and guy doesn't know what the hell they're talking about, and that's when they fill in the blanks about how, you know, Atrocitus made, made more rings and sent them into space, and, and she must have, she must have gotten one, you know, Hal keeps sticking his nose in, into Guy's affairs, and Hal kind of gets put in this place by by Guy. Just then, Supergirl once again escapes from another from yet another green energy con- uh, construct cell. S- Supergirl and the Red Lanterns kind of duke it out. It's kind of funny because she hits Zox. He hits the ground hard enough where finally he turns round again. They then the Green Lanterns and the Red Lanterns team up. To basically throw a Supergirl into the Red Lake, we switch back to Atrocitus, and Atrocitus kind of like almost, in a way, I, for some reason, he reminded me of Thanos in this. It's kind of like, maybe it's the way he's drawn. It's like it's like, why do you hide, my children? I just want to offer you my forgiveness. Blaze is like, well, you know, he's going to kill us. Rancor goes, no, he's not going to kill us. Not both of us. And of course, Blaze, being Blaze, thinks that more or less Rancor is selling her out. But what Rancor really plans to do is to again buy buy enough time taking on Atrocitus just so she can get out of Dodge. Atrocitus approaches the battle damage Rancor. It basically makes like a big, a big, a big hammer construct. We switch back to Gizmalt <laughs> where you see Zox and Box continuing their conversation in the sky though you don't know what, how it's going while John and John, excuse me, while Guy and Hal sit by the Blood Lake. They kind of talk. You know, more quiet moments between the two of them. Guy thanks Hal for bringing her Supergirl there. Hal kind of says, "Well, it's, it's kind of like about the best, the only good decision I've made in a while." Guy kind of acknowledges, "Well, you know, even though this wasn't really the way th- you may not have realized it at the time, but you know, me <laughs> being sent to be a Red Lantern kind of wasn't a bad call. I kind of belong here. It fits. I, you know, I fit. It works." They make a deal there at that moment that 2814 is the Red Lantern sector from now on, but Simon Baz has to remain on Earth. Uh, call him an ambassador if you have to do it, whatever you need to do. But, you know, there's people on Earth that I love Gardner and I need to keep them safe. Guy says, well, you know, there's people, you know, we both have people on Earth we love. So they agree. At that point, uh, Supergirl comes out of the Blood Lake. She's got her senses back. You know, they ask her what her name is. She says Kara, Kara Zor-El. Doesn't really mean anything to Guy, but it means something to 
Hal. Hal kind of points out that, you know, I know that name. You know, Superman's Kryptonian name is Kal-El. L's like the family name, like ours, Jordan or Gardner. So I think they might be related. And Guy just goes, ah, oh, great. And that's when the issue ends. <laughs> Not bad. No, I thought it was good. There were a lot of, there were a lot of, there were a whole lot of subtle, funny moments in this, like with, with Zox's head being misshapen the whole time. And how, that's like the first time he sees himself as a monster, even though he's basically just a floating head with arms to begin, and legs to begin with. But because his head is misshapen now, that, that's when he kind of sees himself as a monster. And the whole Zox and box kind of thing. <laughs> But I, I thought it was pretty. I thought the issue was pretty good. Glad the stuff with ice is over. Yeah, and once again, she is drawn absolutely horrible. Oh, except for one panel. When she go, when she Which says, one? "Ah, Gardner, you silly man." I knew you were going to say that because that's the page I was on. Yes, she actually, she actually looks somewhat a- attractive, and as opposed to the panel right below, where it looks like she's got a beer gut. Yeah. When she's blasting the shadow thief, it looks like she's got a pot belly that's hanging over her belt. But yeah, the the, the art see the art is, the art is really interesting in this book because there are some characters that are like really they look really good or look fairly good. I mean, even though I hate this look for Guy Gardner, he he's drawn well. Mm-hmm. And again, Atrocitus isn't drawn particularly well, but but Blarn, I mean Clarn, excuse me, she's I like that I like the look of that lantern. I think Hal's drawn fairly well in, in, in most of the panels here. Well, some of the panels. There's some panels where he's kind of blocky looking. But I think facially he's he's drawn better in this than he was in Core, the Core Annual. And Zox looks good, and I like Scalix, so. And I did, I really like that energy construct with, uh, of, a, of Dexter making the tiger. I thought that yeah, was funny. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Kind of like playing, playing off the old, like the old, how, you know, how you see yourself as everything. And like they've showed those images of kittens looking into a mirror and they see like a lion and things like that. So it's kind of like an, it's kind of just like an off, an offshoot of that. And that's, so it's, 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 it's pretty cool. So is the Shadow Thief permanently deactivated now? I don't, I, we know nothing is permanently deactivated. I think we're supposed to believe that she's just not a threat anymore. But I don't, I doesn't mean that he, I don't know how easy, easy it is to get the suit off her. Yeah. But you would assume if it's that easy to deactivate it, it'd be relatively easy to reactivate it. So, or at least they raise that, they open the door for that. But hmm. so, which of the two parts? So you like part two better than part yeah, one? Yeah, just because there's more happens in it. Although I don't know, the shadow thief stuff and the the atrocity stuff. I get why it's in there, but I could have done without it. Well, they had no choice but to deal with, you know, obviously they had no choice to deal with the Shadow Thief stuff since that was left over from 27. But I liked, I, I did, I liked the Atrocitus stuff, but I, but I've kind of liked the Atrocitus, excuse me, the Atrocitus Dexter stuff to begin with, so. Hmm. But I think it keeps the momentum going for Red Lanterns. I think Red Lanterns is definitely a book on the rise. And I, and I think this kind of continues the trend and at least, there are some good, and I like the kind of the. There are some good moments here between Hal and Guy, and I kind of like that too. So I think that's a. I think that was a bonus. I like how when uh, Zilius hits the ground, there's this pop sound effect. 
And then he has a big smile yeah, on his face. He's like, I'm robbed again! Yeah. That's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but it was funny. I guess the only bit of important information we get out of this is that 2814 is now absolutely the Red Sector, and uh, Simon is still the Green Lantern of Earth, but he's supposed to stay on Earth. If he leaves Earth, he's screwed. Yes. That he, that no one... T- no interplanetary missions for Simon Bass, which on some level is ironic since you and so many other people would like to see Hal or Kyle have actual missions on Earth. And, of course, the only the only Lantern who can have missions on Earth is the one for most people could give three pounds of monkey crap about. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess it's a way to keep Simon Bass around to do something, I suppose. Sure enough. Do you have anything else to say about this? I don't think so. I think we covered the, I think we covered the high points and the main, or everything of super – super relevance and even some of the less relevant stuff like the humor in it that I kind of I didn't want to gloss over that in this issue because there was there was a lot of it <laughs> all right well uh then Green Lantern Corps number 28 it is um we open on the planet Moose Muzz uh in sector 3502 with uh Von Daggle and he's like there has to be more I know I had more it looks like a uh I'm guessing it's a radiation pellet uh, based on what happened earlier uh, or later on in the issue, maybe some radiation inhaler or, you know, something of that, a pill, you know, some, I don't know. Uh, he's out. So uh, he goes out into the crowd. Um, he goes up to a, a, a vendor saying, you know what I want and it's not what you have on this table. You know what I'm looking for. And just as he's about to go, Get some at an abandoned temple on the edge of town. Uh, Bolfunga comes up behind him and he's like, uh, "Hey, Von Daggle, you know we we found you." Uh, Von Daggle takes off, and there's uh, they're they're chasing him. They're trying to find him. They say, you know, he's a Durlin, so he's probably shapeshifted into shapeshifted into a you know basically inconspicuous um, form. So they grab a child, Bofunga grabs a child, and it's like, this is it. And then he gets, you know, hit over the head with, with an alien purse, basically. When really, Von Daggle was the small kitten-like creature that the child was holding. And Von Daggle goes up to a building and changes back into his shape. Uh, and says something interesting, when will the ancients learn I'm never coming back? And then John confronts him up at the top of the roof. Cut back to Space Sector Zero, which is Mogo. Uh, Kilowog is Reef, uh, kind of trying to put back the command center back together with his scientific know-how. Iolande, uh, Iolande, whatever her name is, can't re- I, I can't remember if it's Iolande or Iolande, um, is talking to him. Have you heard from Sora? Sora is out on the belt, the destruction belt, with uh, with uh, Salak talking about how she feels her, you know, her ring is cursed and everything around her dies. You know, that kind of a thing. Uh, and uh, right then, someone comes up behind him uh, and knocks them unconscious, uh, wraps Sora up to go uh, in some sort of spider web type cocoon, and tosses Salak back down to Mogo's, uh, back down to Mogo. Back on Muzz, uh, Von Daggle's conversing with John and everyone, and they're kind of explaining what's been going on, and we need your help. And they start fighting, and uh, Fatality, you know, throws a spear through uh, through him, 
and he's like, you know, Krolatean dervishes, which is what he transformed into, don't have vital organs in chef's cavities, so they keep fighting and keep fighting. And uh, he he's in the ground, and Bolfunga gets dragged into the ground, cut back to Mogo, and... <laughs> God, here we go again. Um... Lantern Moro and Mogo are conspir- conspiring yet again to have some sort of um, a lantern crypt type of thing. This time it's basically like an underground graveyard with headstones. Um, uh, back to the cafeteria on Mogo. And uh, Salak comes crashing down and explains what happens, and Kilowog says, you know, Mogo can't find anything, whoever they are, they're long gone. Uh, Iolan wants to go chase after Natu, and Kilowogs, we can't really spare that many people, but here, take a couple. And um, back to Muzz, and Bofunga comes crawling out of the ground, and they realize it's not really Bofunga. So they fight each other. Suddenly, Von Daggle just gives up, because he can't transform without radioactive energy, which is what we saw he ran out of earlier and probably what he was looking for. Uh, then Bo- the real Bullfunga comes up out of the ground. Um, and uh, the... Uh, I can't What's this? The Hunger Dog or whatever? Says... says yes. uh, it looks like the locals have taken interest in us, and it turns out it's not the locals, it's Derlins. Um, and they're surrounded... And then, quote, somewhere, um, uh, Natu wakes up. They rip the the stuff off of her, the the webbing. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick your you know your who your, it's it's you. And then tell me, Lantern Natu, are you afraid yet? And it's uh, Arkillo with a yellow ring and his suit and everything. And next, the hunt for Soranic. So what'd you think? Well, as usual with a lot of these issues, I actually, I actually liked almost everything they didn't have to do with the Durlins and John Stewart. <laughs> I, I like this. I like the stuff on Mogo, the different time, the parts on Mogo. I like the stuff with Sornik and, and uh, Salak, and of course, I like the big reveal at the end of it being Arkillo. Uh, but the stuff with even with Von Daggle and the Durlins and everything, it just doesn't, it just didn't do anything for me because I like the stuff with the crypt too. I thought that was, I thought it was interesting, especially looking at some of the some of the names of some of the lanterns. How <laughs> they show Chip. Yeah, you know. But yeah, I'm I'm a little I'm a little confused, and I I know you're not much of an art guy, but maybe you know more than I do. I don't know. The random ass panels that have the the white, red, and black layout. Oh, you mean why or just? What is that? I'm not sure. I actually don't know. Is it like it's it's like your copy, right? It's not just the digital. Yeah, it's 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 definitely the way it's definitely the way it was. It's just. So I'm not entirely sure what it's supposed to be, like an homage to or the style. But yes, it's obviously it's fairly consistent through the through those battle pages. 
I just like, I, I mean, the only stuff I really like is the fact that Von Daggle's involved, so therefore the concept of the corpse is involved. Um, I like the fact that the Durlins have a weakness. They have to have the radiation. I think this is the first time it's ever been explicit, explicitly stated, even though they were after radiation when we were first introduced to them. Just so we should have been made aware of that. Uh, so that that's kind of helpful to let us know, you know, kind of tie that make that tie back to the very beginning there. So that's that's cool, and I like the fact that the Sinestro Corps has kind of shown up again. Um, do I like the stuff of the Coon and the Durlins and all that stuff? Uh, you know, I, we've made our, our thoughts on that pretty clear. Um, at the same time, I don't want them going back to old tried and true and constant methods of bringing in other cores. So I don't know what the happy medium in there is. But at the same time, I am happy to see Arkillo because I think it's been long enough that at least, you know, we can see him for maybe an issue or two. You know what I mean? And it makes sense that Natu would be the person out of all of them that the, the, the Sinestro Corps would come after. You know what I mean? Yes. So, um, the only thing I, I don't know how to feel about is the, the new graveyard thing uh, am i happy we have that cool yes because i you know i like the concept of lanterns coming through this place and paying homage uh to fallen lanterns uh and you know having stuff in the background and being able to you know have a little easter egg and, and shout outs with name drops and and so on and so forth but there have been so many of these now like, you know, Mogul was destroyed, so the tree was gone, and then the whole things, all the stuff that happened to Oa in the past, and so many different things that I just can't... If, if, if you're going to go through the trouble of setting up this... I guess I mean, I guess we have to call it a graveyard, because that's what it looks like. If, we're, if you're going to go through the, the trouble of setting up and showing us this graveyard, then keep it around for a while. Don't introduce us to it to just say we're you know it's going to get destroyed again later on, or something like that. Let's let's have this around. Let's utilize the space. You know the same way they use the cafeteria for setting and various other places on Mogo and with the Citadel and everything. Then let's also use this graveyard for setting, and not for something sinister like you know it being destroyed or something like that. You know what I mean? I agree. Other than that, I don't know. Is there is there anything else? Yeah, this this red this random choice for the red, white, and black thing just really it doesn't bother me, but it's so oddly placed at times. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is interesting. And it's not like it's on every single page on the on their on that you know, when they're looking for or dealing with Von Dagel either. It's like on some most of the pages, but not on all of them. Yeah. So, and it's not just those pages because obviously they're on the ones too dealing with Sorenic. Yeah. All right. Well, um, do you want to switch on over to New Guardians? Yes. Last but not least, Green Lantern New Guardians number twenty-eight. I like this one. Yeah, this was, which isn't surprising either, considering that uh, how we feel for the most part about about this title overall it's really not it's really not surprising cool. justin jordan was the writer brad walker was the penciler andrew hennessy with ryan Wynn were the inkers 
And the cover is The Power of the God Killers. So the issue begins in Space Sector 0169, where we have a kind of a cute little alien. Uh, Maza, there's like a little, they're, they're out in some kind of field, and it looks like a bunch of parents and a bunch of kids, and they're drawing drawing basically straws, even though it's not really straws, like numbers, out of a, out of a little container. So it's some kind of lottery, though not a lottery you want to win, because basically uh, Maza chooses, and what she and her, and her reward for being chosen is that she's going to be sacrificed to their god, Maris Kodosa. She appears, or he appears, it's a he, actually it looks like a he. Uh, he appears, and he's about ready to take the child as a sacrifice. And trying to comfort the child, I know this uh, this is as must be, but before the child can be killed, the the god is speared to the neck by what we will find out will be the god killers. There's a lot of a lot of rhetoric going on. This is your god, then. This is your protector, your object of faith. The God tries to fight back and he goes, no, your power won't work on me. No more miracles, no more worship, just reckoning. And basically, you know, they, they destroy the God there or what passed for a God on that planet. And he points out that, you know, what I can give you is I can give you freedom. And, you know, the child is kind of stunned by all this. He really doesn't know or Mazda doesn't really know what to do. And he goes, can they ask, I'm assuming it's a she, but she asked the God, the God killer, you know, you know, what are we going to, what shall we do basically? And it's like, I don't know. Our purpose is not to rule, not even to guide. I can give you your freedom, but I can't tell you basically what to do with it. But if you're asking for my recommendation, I'd say start anew. And he goes, I would start with them. Basically those who are willing to sacrifice their kids. And he kind of hands them a blade or hands the child, the blade. Now we sp- switch to space sector 001, not far from the space, from the source wall. And we have, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. Uh, the first line is this universe is filled with wonder and horror. And they're dealing with the fallout of what they saw from just because the quote is about what Quaro saw for he saw further than we and his insight troubled him. So he left our company shortly after the confrontation with Relic. He journeys alone seeking to see and discover. And we see basically Quaros, who is who is the guardian who's the Templar guardian who's gone off on his own, and we hear the ping ping, which would indicate that he's found that in his search he's found a mother box. We spit uh switch, excuse me, to sp- Space Sector 2897. Carol and... Carol, Guy... Ugh, Carol, Kyle, and Palco were having conversations. He kind of makes the point of... Kyle does to Carol, like, hey, you know, I told you there's only seven of them now. So we're missing one. And he goes, I could have sworn there were only six of them. He goes, nope, I told you we were down a Guardian. And Palco kind of goes, you were wagering on us, Lantern Rainer? And he goes, uh, kind of maybe, sort of. And they make the point of 
the guardians, the Templar guardians. It's like I'm kind of we're quite pleased, you know, that that you are using your time with us on constructive matters. And then a cute little, uh, cute little comment there with with Zala, who kind of points out that uh, that they kind of placed a bet themselves, that they kind of had placed a bet that uh, on how long it would take that uh, for Quaros to be noticed. So, so they're kind of they're mocking of Kyle for betting was kind of like a little inside joke because they're obviously a little more quote unquote human than the other guardians because they're not uh, you know they're not beyond making bets themselves or little trivial things. They reach the planet of of Colosa. Kyle is makes an attempt to apol- to apologize to Palco about the about the bet. He goes, ah, your apology is not necessary, but it's accepted. And he goes, my concern is for Quaros. Um, or he goes, he tells Kyle, well, my concern for Quaros might have made me edgy. And he goes, you can get edgy? <laughs> he goes, I'm a guardian of the universe. It's like, there's very little I can't do. They explore the planet of, of Colosa. Kyle asked the question of, you know, what's, there's something... I'm guessing there's something special on this planet and that's basically bringing us here. And he gets informed that there's a new religious sect that has begun, has begun mission work there, spreading a religion called the Light and the Fire. And this belief system did not originate uh, – I'm sorry – did not originate with Colosa. And something – the religion is basically called something of a peaceful empire. They have moved from planet to planet, and nearly every world they have visited has moved to take the religion as their own. So, of course, Kyle kind of like sums it up in his own his own way, saying, "So, a bunch of religious nut jobs are conquering planets, and and basically, uh, based on the name, burning the unbelievers." And Palco, I be- it looks like it's Palco goes. In fact, they are not which is of interest. They have brought nothing but prosperity and peace to the dozen worlds they have visited. We switch to, to a, a city scene where basically it looks like there's about to be a confrontation and there's some kind of ship and some kind of battleship in the ocean over there or the lake river. Uh, Kyle doesn't like the way it looks. He kind of leaps into action. You know, this looks like people in the crappy part of town want to get into the nice part of town. And I guess I'm guessing they're gonna, you know, there's a wall that's gonna stop them from doing that. Kyle and Carol, you know, leap into action. Kyle is is told to stop, and we're told she is. The speaker indicates that you know bloodshed is not their way, that this is, that you know, but they don't believe in violence. Carol, or and then she, referring to their god, that she, you know. This is not what she wants. Kyle, uh, Carol points out that, you know, I'm not sure who she is, but I'm pretty sure both sides definitely want this, judging by the way they were going about things. You know, the prophet, if you will, she points out they're wrong too. She is the light and fire, and if they believe, they would not fight. Kyle shows up to talk to talk to the woman. Her name is her name is ironically Calendar, and it's like, really, really? And basically, she tries to explain Sister Kala is what they really call her. Her real name is Calendar. But Sister Kala basically tries to explain what the uh, about their religion. 
and how they believe in how they believe in equality, fraternity, liberty. Unsurprisingly, this has made us made us inconvenient for many of the elite. Kyle says you want them to just sit back and take it, not to fight back. Yada yada yada. Um, the more the, the ships, are, I guess, are actually more like they're actually alive. They're called murder cat murder caterpillars, is what they're refused are referred to by Kyle. From the distance, they look like a ship anyway. Um, uh, one of the guardians goes to a to the riders of these caterpillars. It's like you do not need to initiate aggression. It's like, do I not? It's like, announce yourself. And I'm, I am Gurian. I am a guardian of the universe. And the writer goes, I mean, I'm a guardian of my people. I'm not interested. You know, I'm not initiating aggression. Those firebiters did that when they came outside the wall. They are traitors. Yada, yada, yada. They open fire. Kyle, Carol, and the guardians leap into action. Sister, sister Kala over there does not, you know, she, she's, I will not fight. This does not mean, however, that I intend to die. So she reveals that she has powers. Uh, Kyle kind of like he seizes the moment to defuse the situation by using compassion, even though in that panel it's, it's borderline almost like a violet uh, light, but it is compassion. So taking advantage of that moment while the compassion is still riding all over all the the aggressors. Uh, the guardian Kyle and the, the guardians are talking, and he goes. The guardian point out, points out that perhaps this is only a ceasefire. You know, compa- the compassion from Kyle will wear off, and even if it didn't, there are millions of more people on this world. And Kyle makes the point that even if I could, I wouldn't. I would not make an entire planet feel that way. I want them to, you know, the way I want them to. That's exactly the trap the old guardians fell into. He's not a god. You know, Sister Kala points out that uh, that at least is a noble and attainable goal, a lack of godhood. Meanwhile, we see you know the a bunch of uh, the city is burning. Kyle wants to help, and she points out, "No, another time and place. I'd accept your help, but you have come at a very good time. Watch and witness. Our God is real. As the light and fire renews and builds, as she restores, our God is the light. Our God is the fire. Our God is heal. It's here. Exhale." Has arrived. Meanwhile, we switched back to to Space Sector 0170, where we see the God Killers killing yet another pseudo God, and another God Killer points out and points out that she has been found. And, and he like, who are you talking about? Don't play games. The Destroyer of Worlds. Send the message. Tell the other God Killers to follow. He goes, how many? All of them. And that ends Light and Fire, the God Killers Part One. And I apologize for that because obviously that was not my best one. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I do have one bit of a correction though for you. Uh, it's which, it's which, Zal. Oh, is it Zal? Yeah. Uh, and the reason I say that, and I I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I kind of do. But I'll just save it till we get to New Guardians twenty nine. Um, it's uh, I I I knew what they were referencing when they mentioned it. Uh, Zal is a reference to something that we'll obviously get to when we get to 29. Uh, has to do with a certain, I don't know what, former Teen Titan, you want to say? Okay. You, you know who I'm talking that. about? I kind of think I know where you're yes. going. Yes, uh, yeah, 
that that name is prominent in that particular character's backstory. Uh, people people who are familiar with uh, that know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, I liked this issue. I liked it a lot. Um, the art, uh, particularly when uh, Kyle and Carol and the Guardians were flying through space, was a little odd. Um, kind of... Curvy. No. <laughs> There's a lots, of, lots of curves in that. Not, not so much that. It's just my eye kept sliding around all over the place. Like it was kind of hard to focus on the main characters because my eye was being drawn all over the page. Does that make any sense? I, I think I know where you're going yeah. with it. Yeah. What, what did you think of it? I like the issue. The art? Are you asking the art in no, particular? No, the whole thing. Or... I like the issue. I like, you know, I like the story arc so far. And again, following the patterns that we've already kind of established that the new guardians book continues to be interesting and they continue to at least go in a different direction than a lot of the other books, you know, have gone even in, in the new 52, regardless of the creative teams that, you know, this, I, it, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting story. It's an interesting concept that you have the idea that, you have this group going around basically for whatever reason at the time, you know, we certainly have no way of knowing at the moment that they're going through and basically, as far as they're concerned, finding false gods and killing them. People who claim or other or religions who claim to be to have a fault, a God that you know basically kills and, and destroys and people are sacrificing and killing others in their name that basically they're making it their mission to go through and find these gods to, to "Quote unquote," and stop them and kill them and basically try to give give people the give people the freedom basically, which is kind of an interesting little concept because they they make it perfectly clear that they don't really you know give a you know what about what you know what they leave behind that they're not they're the guide they're not there to lead they, and they don't really care about that they're basically just there to to give them freedom basically, which is kind of a we know just in general that's kind of a, you know not entirely true that they have a, they have a mission they have an agenda and and they obviously have something against the concept even of of there being a higher these higher beings that people are bowing down to and sacrificing and killing for that that's their seemingly their real mission is to is to stop these beings and because they don't like that concept more than because if they really cared about the freedom of the people, then they would put a little more thought into what's going to happen afterwards. Since some of these, logically, a lot of these planets, especially, uh, doesn't even have to do necessarily with how advanced or how not advanced they are. It's just the fact that, but either way, you're, go, you're going to have a lot of fallout if you take a, if someone's entire culture is built around a, a god or a, a religion and you just show up and you basically go out of your way to, to show why that's not really not really valid well that's not really true that they're they've basically been worshiping false gods that it's good that does a whole lot of damage to people to people and their societies and culture the planets so the fact that they don't seem to really give a shit about that is kind of a problem yeah the philosophical implications are certainly there i just think it's also interesting in the fact that like right now i'm reading the jim starlin warlock stuff and there's a lot of God killing kind of concepts going on in there. Um, I haven't read a whole lot of it yet, but I want to. The Thor the God Killer storyline, that whole thing. Um, in some ways, Nexus has a little bit of that in there. 
Um, not constantly throughout the storyline, but there's a little bit of that to a certain extent, not necessarily in the same light. Um, hopefully those who have read Nexus know what I'm talking about. Um, it's it's basically a concept I've been exposed to recently with with stuff I'm interested in and there's stuff I'm currently reading. So it's uh it's cool. Um uh it's and it's definitely something I thought would be you know if anything was going to talk about it this this book is perfectly suited for it. Um you've got the guardians who are older than most things in the entire universe. Um, they're very, very scientifically minded, but they're teamed up with a lantern whose power is life, uh, and they're, you know, gallivanting across the universe. I mean, if any book in the entire DC universe was meant to take on the, the concept of the different religions present in the universe and, you know, encountering God, the concept of encountering gods and, you know, that whole thing, um, it's it's this book and i think it would be really cool even though i think we're getting i think we're be getting this soon enough from dan dio uh, and some others uh in a different uh, dc series coming up fairly soon with i think they're doing like a forever people type of story is i can't remember if i can't remember if they're doing a forever people um title or not um but like you know i know it's you know, more than likely not going to happen, but it would be cool if they got to like the whole new gods concept. You know, if they if they came up against the All Father uh, or Orion or you know any any of those uh, new gods concepts, that'd be kind of cool to see. Um, you know, there's a lot of that kind of cosmic DC with the the kind of. Uh, uh, masquerade of being gods uh out there so that'd be cool to see um yeah i don't know i i the art got cool once they got down onto the planet especially when zal shows up um i like kyle's use of compassion um at one point though i, I gotta admit I got disappointed and kind of bored with the book, not for any particular reason other than than for like two pages. It became a really wordy sob of a book. Was was that when she when uh, Kyla was talking? Yeah, when when she showed up first uh, and stopped uh, Kyle in them. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was that's why when I was even when I was trying to summarize what was going on there, that's why I had to, I kind of glossed over a lot of it because it's. It, it was very, very wordy, and it wasn't necessarily leading to – I mean, it's worth reading, but it's not – you know, when you're trying to summarize it, it's kind of probably not worth summarizing. Um, and part of the reason I hope that they the, this God Butcher thing encounters the new gods is because they gave a hint to, to it with uh, – um, what's his name? Which is, which is the, the – Quaros. There we go. Yes. He finds a mother box. I mean, come on. <laughs> so I hope I hope they get to that at some point. Uh, you know, maybe you know, if if not one of the new gods on New Genesis, then maybe, you know, a dark side or something. 
Uh, I don't know. Although I'm not sure if that would be potentially possible because I'm, and again, I'm not caught up, but I think something's going on with Darkseid over on the, in the Earth 2 title. So, do you know something about that or are you just being quiet for the sake of being quiet? No, I, I, I don't have any real information okay. on that, so. No, I'm not, I'm not being coy. I'm just, I, I just don't. <laughs> I just don't have enough information to comfortably add at the moment about that. Um, and one other thing, the I don't like it. it. Well, it's 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 okay. It's not that I don't like it. It's that it just seems impractical. This God Killer armor. It looks weird. It looks cumbersome. I I, I I hope they explain the armor at some point. That's all. I hope they get to some sort of explanation about it. Because it just looks impractical, so I'd like to know what its purpose is. That is true. Other than just trying to look like a knight, but yes, it's very in, it's not a natural armor. So it's like kind of like bits and bits and pieces of armor that are not really seemingly attached to anything other than, you know, the Almost like, uh, kind of like, glue, almost like glued on in different spots. <laughs> yeah, so it is kind of an interesting, kind of an interesting look there. That's about all I had to say. I really did like it, though. Um, there are a couple, like I said, small issues here and there that I had with it, but uh, I really did like it. So, based, based on the five books that we went through, what was your favorite? I'd say New Guardians. Um, New Guardians followed closely by... Uh, I don't want to say Red Lanterns. I've, I've read a little bit ahead on Red Lanterns. Um, uh, so I think I'm confusing that with some of the later story um, uh, w- within the Red Lanterns title. Uh, so I, I'd say followed closely by the Green Lantern Corps stuff. Uh, the annual more so than issue 28, but I did enjoy 28 more than I've been enjoying some of the other issues of Green Lantern Corps. Just because the Corps well, con- concept is kind of back. And because of the other stuff in yes, the issue, yes. correct? The other stuff that we got bits yeah, and pieces yeah. of. Yeah, it was a be- it was it was a better issue of Core than we've we've gotten overall lately certainly i would say i still don't know if i would put it ahead of anything any of the other books in this episode though uh, but i think it certainly it certainly bodes well at least but again like like we talked about a lot of that has to do with the other stuff that was in the issue not necessarily because of the ongoing durlin thing it has to do with some of it with von daggle yes but also has to do with you know the Mogo stuff, the Sornik stuff. Yeah. The the Arkillo reveal at the end was pretty good. So that was But of course is setting the stage for the Sinestro ongoing. Yeah, that's true. Which as we record will, will be coming out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well is there anything else you wanted to say about these issues? No, I don't think so. I think but for the most part I think they were it was a considering we did five issues, I think they were for the most part they were they were pretty good. All right. Yeah, I, w- I would tend to agree with that. Um, 
Okay, on to listener feedback. Oh, wait. <laughs> no voicemails, no emails, no Twitter stuff either. And only very, very small amounts of things to talk about over on Facebook. So I will, in the interest of, like I said, doing this every episode, I will talk about the stuff going on on Facebook. Um, thank you very much to Dowd for wishing me a happy birthday on the Facebook page. Uh, and thank you, Corwin, for wishing me a happy birthday uh, on the forum. So I really do appreciate that. Plus all the individual people with I'm friends with on Facebook who actually posted on my personal Facebook page wall. Uh, thank you very much. I am now 27. I turned 27 on April 6th. Um, and uh, it was a good birthday. I spent some time with some friends. So thank everybody for the for the well wishes. Appreciate that. Happy birthday, Chad. Thank you, sir. And um, nothing really to talk about as far as comments and likes, but I did post a couple of things. Uh, Stephen Amell, the guy who plays Oliver Queen on the Arrow TV series, um, randomly posted something on his Facebook page, which he is very active on. Um, seriously, uh, probably one of uh, Stephen Amell and Anne Rice, uh, both of whom I'm fans of and like their fan pages on Facebook. I mean, Anne Rice, I, you know, if you go and post on her wall, she'll more than likely answer your question. They hold contests. I got a personalized sign book from Anne Rice that was mailed to me personally from her house. Uh, that was cool um, from interacting with her on Facebook. Stephen Amell is the same way. No contest, but he does answer a lot of fan questions and talk and interact with the fans a lot. Uh, all this to say that he posted an image. It's like this small little banner of a plane, and it's the tagline says, We fly without fear, and it says Ferris Air underneath it. Didn't really say anything else. Just this little image, and it made me go insane. Um, so hopefully there's some sort of Green Lantern reference in upcoming Arrow episodes. Uh, although with all this, um, I'm just going to say stuff. I was going to name the villain uh, and say that kind of stuff going on, but I don't want to spoil that for anybody because uh, Arrow's a pretty great show. Um, with all this insert DC Comics villain here stuff going on in the series. I don't know if they'll have time to get to any uh, Green Lantern type references, but you know, hopefully that means something. Um, and then also uh, John uh, Godwin made a point of pointing out some stuff going over on Big Bad Toy Store. I don't know if you knew about this, Mark, all the sales going on over there. I have seen some of them going on and I noticed they have some, uh, there were some promotional uh, like packages that I saw too, yeah. related to like open open material and things like that. Um, but John, John, John obviously posted some different stuff. By the time this episode goes up, I don't know if those will be available or not, so I don't want to direct you guys over there saying hurry up and get to the page. Um, but uh, suffice it to say, just keep an eye on sites like Big Bad Toy Store uh, dot com for you know and you know superhero stuff dot com and and that kind of stuff for. Uh, you know, a lot of these sites have random uh, deals for various things. So uh, the, it would kind of behoove you to every now, you know, maybe save them as bookmarks and check them out every now and then. And that's it. No other listener feedback. So uh, we've been saying it a lot in various episodes, and I'll say it again here. Voicemails and emails are the things I would love to have more than most other things. You know, the the Facebook page, the Twitter page. 
the forums, you know, those could all fall by the wayside. But if if we got a consistent stream of multiple emails and voicemails, I'd still be happy. Um, so, guys, sh- send us emails, send us voicemails, and, and keep in contact with us. The only reason I'd, I'd say we, you know, we wouldn't let Facebook and Twitter fall by the wayside is because that's the way we get to immediately interact with you guys. And the forums are a way for us to talk about stuff other than Green Lantern or talk about them at length, you know, live, in a sense, live in, uh, in a fashion that allows a lengthy post, whereas social media doesn't. So, uh, Mark, how can people get in contact with us? Well, people get in, get in touch with us by, you can email us, lanterncast at gmail.com. That is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, lanterncast.com. Through our website, you can access our forums. You can check out our galleries and things, products of the week, which I still, I still need to post a new one. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. And like us on Facebook, you can use the hashtag GLCast to also find us on either one of those. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you like us on iTunes, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN. That's 708-LANTERN. And let us know what you think. All right, guys. uh, Next episode, we're hitting the 29s, right? Sounds good. As we work our way to the 30s. And by the end of the month of April, we're going to be caught up, people. That's right. So uh, just bear with us, guys, and don't forget to send us those uh, emails and voicemails. And let us know what you think about this episode. That's true. We always like to hear from you guys, and we want to know what you think about how the show is going and give us more ideas for future shows. And we'll we'll listen to you, so feel free to to write us and contact us. And what you thought of the issues that we're reviewing in this episode, like your thoughts on it. All right, well, we'll talk to you guys later. Sounds good. Good night, everybody. Good night. to do is be quiet for like two minutes and chat <laughs> dig me out of my hole right there <laughs> you think you think it'll take two minutes <laughs> give i'm just being conservative give me two enough whole minutes <laughs> give me enough slack i'll hang myself <laughs> hey, give him 15 minutes he'll be banned from the internet for life <laughs> have you guys not listened to the recent episodes of the show no i don't <laughs> He's avoiding episode, re- I mean, issue reviews. No, he's doing episode reviews. <laughs> what? 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 Episode reviews of Sliders. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, ah, yeah. We're talking about them listening to us. He's, he's avoiding that because he, has, yeah. he hasn't read the books. You guys need to do an episode review of our episodes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that'll, that'll be the big crossover. Episode review of your episodes. <laughs> I don't know. Chad's well, so angry was, all the time. This was awful. Except for the Mark parts. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the new, the real life version of Green Lantern, po- the, of the Green Lantern podcast. We can do better. Uh, Who are yeah. these jokers? Uh, I.
I'm going to borrow on the Mark bits, but I'm going to pass <laughs> on the Chad bits. You ever regret handing the reins of the show over to me, guys? No. Yeah, you haven't sunk the ship yet. 